the kids present Kudos Kirby, a celebration of the journey of Jack Kirby's lesser known works. And here is your host, Angus. Welcome to Kudos Kirby, a comic's journey into Jack Kirby's lesser-known works. I'm Angus, and will be your guide through the monthly expedition to uncover those hidden gems from the King of Comics' over 20,000 comic book pages. We hope you enjoy this latest adventure in the journey. Good as can be expected, Sarge. Thanks for the timely assist. You couldn't have picked a better time to hit the Chateau. Well, that's one base Uncle Adolf's brain trust won't be using again. Sergeant Fury and his howling commandos, the fangs of the Desert Fox. This is Nazi-filled Marshal Rommel, the Desert Fox. Rommel, the greatest of Hitler's generals. Rommel, the man who can't be stopped. And these are Fury and his howlers. Who must stop Rommel or die trying? Written by ex-Sergeant Stan Lee, U.S. Army. Illustrated by ex-infantryman Jack Kirby, U.S. Army. Inked by George Bell. Lettering by Art Simic. And thus begins Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, Volume 1, Issue number 6. With a release date of January 1964 and a cover date of March 1964. With his jeep on the fritz, Sergeant Fury has to take a bicycle to get to a date with his love, his British girlfriend, Holly. He hits a tripwire and is overturned on his bike. Before he can get up, three Nazi saboteurs attack, but they are no match for Sergeant Fury, the American commando. Later, Fury brings these three Nazi saboteurs in to the prison area to be interrogated and then proceeds on his date. And at the theater, Fury and Howley are looking at a newsreel about the North Africa campaign right before their feature film is about to start. The Axis commander, Rommel, the Desert Fox, is winning Hitler's whole war for practically single-handedly doing this. And that is the reflection of one Sergeant Fury. Soon, the Howling Commandos get the word that they're going to Africa. Before they leave, though, they do some intensive training, including a series of parachute jumps. On this last training jump, Dino Manelli's chute won't open. The only one who can reach him in time is Sergeant Fury, who frees the chute, but he's not quite there in time. Barely, Dino Manelli lands in a tree and breaks his leg. As a result, they need to replace Dino Manelli. In comes George Stonewell, who replaces Manelli as the only howler who can speak German, because this was, amongst other things Dino Manelli could do, his main contribution as far as infiltration was concerned, being able to speak German, put his acting skills to work. During introductions, however, you see that 
Stonewell snubs Dino Minnelli for being Italian and snubs Izzy Cohen for being Jewish. He says that glad there's one of my kind in this squad when he's finally introduced to Ralston. And then he refuses to bunk with Gabriel Jones, snubbing him for being black and African-American. Needless to say, Sergeant Nick Fury is furious. There's no time to trade you in for a real human being, Fury says. You so much as look cross-eyed as Izzy or Gabe or anyone because of his race or color, I'll make you wish you were never born. And that is clearly spelled out by Nick Fury. And this is a very powerful, powerful issue focusing in on race relations within the U.S. Army, even during World War II. And Sergeant Nick Fury only looking at the quality of the character of his Howling Commandos. And that is the thing that he cares about and that everyone gets treated with equal respect. We fast forward to Tobruk, Libya, and the Commandos encounter the first line of defense around Rommel's headquarters. Sergeant Fury orders the radio operator silenced. Stonewell ignorantly pushes Gabriel Jones aside to do the job, but alerts the radio man while doing so. And the radio man gets the message out that they're being infiltrated. Izzy Cohen commandeers a car and an officer. Four Stukas appear, aircraft. And the commandos hide beneath an overhang. Stonewell interrogates the officer, of course, because he speaks German who noticed Stonewell's superior Aryan attitude and offers to spare him if he'll arrange an escape. I've got no use for Nazis either, says Stonewell. So at least Stonewell is drawing a line somewhere, even though he has demonstrated rather bigoted behavior earlier on. The fighter planes return, the Stugas return. The officer breaks loose and runs into the open where the pilot shoots him, <laughs> unable to see the uniform from his altitude. Sergeant Fury and Izzy Cohen take the car to lead the planes away from the squad and trick one into crashing. The others bomb the car, and Fury and Cohen jump free at the last second. Back at camp, Dum Dum Duggan, well, for allowing the officer to get loose. He absolutely lays into him. Stonewall says, it wasn't my fault. Fury says, whose fault was it, soldier? Eisenhower's? Guys like you are all alike, not man enough to take any blame. So, wow, Fury is really laying into Stonewell and his horrendous behavior. They proceed on foot, and a few hours later, they come across a caravan. The chief and his people have been robbed and enslaved by the Nazis. So, he loans Fury and his Helen Commandos horses and guides them to Rommel's camp. They creep over the last hill and see an entire division rolling across the desert. Fury orders Stonewell to get Izzy Cohen past the bodyguards so that he can assassinate Rommel. Within sight of Rommel's tent, Stonewell moves ahead to do the job himself. Cohen tells him to follow orders. The two begin to fight, which draws the attention of Rommel's bodyguards, again foiling the element of surprise. They throw a grenade. Stonewell throws it back, which eliminates the bodyguards but wounds him. Cohen 
carries him into a street where the rest of the Howling Commandos pick him up in an armored car and they escape through the sandstorm. Once through the sandstorm, they find a German medical unit. Stonewell needs a blood transfusion. He has a rare blood type. It's AB. And Jones, Gabriel Jones, is the only match. Shortly afterwards, the British Army captures this German medical unit and they tell Sergeant Fury that their mission was to find the commandos and stop the assassination. They've learned that Field General Erwin Rommel is the highest ranking officer in a German plot to assassinate Hitler. Back at their base, the commandos watch Stonewell silently stow his gear. He's been reassigned. On his way out, though, he drops a note with his new address, and it's addressed to Cohen and Gabriel Jones, essentially thanking Cohen and Jones for saving his life. Is he first for dragging his body out into the street so they could be picked up, and Jones by saving his life through that blood transfusion? This is one incredible and deep issue on many fronts. It shows the camaraderie between the commandos. It shows their intolerance for bigots. It shows Stonewell as an example of some of those bigoted soldiers within those World War II ranks. And it also showed with this German medical unit that the German doctor, regardless of who the troop was, whether they were German or American or British, was going to treat that soldier who had gotten injured, taking that Hippocratic Oath, do no harm and to save lives. So from that standpoint, this is an incredible examination in a comic book of what it takes to be a professional, what you have to deal with as far as ignorance within the ranks, and then, of course, what it means to actually take care of others. And our last reminder here is the seeds of prejudice, which takes a lifetime to grow, can't be stamped out overnight. But if we keep trying, keep fighting, perhaps a day will come when love thy brother will be more than just an expression we hear in church. So says Nick Fury. Next issue... More of the guts and glory which have made Sergeant Fury the most talked about war mag of all. Be here. That's an order. And that's how our issue ends. This was an absolutely fantastic issue. It packed a great story with lots of action. But it, at the same time provided us with a very valuable lesson. A lesson about tolerance, about bigotry, about being a professional, carrying out one's duty and responsibility, and at the same time of the camaraderie amongst the Howling Commandos and how they ultimately stand up for one another, even when they're playfully ribbing each other and giving each other a hard time. It's actually out of a place of brotherly love because they certainly have been through the fires together out in those hot zones, in those battle zones. Kids, we would love to hear from you once you have read Sergeant Fury 
and his Howling Commandos, Volume 1, Issue Number 6, The Fangs of the Fox. Please leave us a message via the Anchor app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com. Kudos, Kirby. (laughs) 